the host of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, so glad you're here hanging out with us today. As you saw in the title of the podcast, we've got my man Ryan Hanley hanging out with us today. And uh, you guys have seen him around for almost, I don't know, over a decade, uh, probably some of you longer than that. I know he started in this game a long time before I did. Uh, I love this guy. I've been watching his stuff for years. We've gotten to become friends, uh, trading texts and talking and seeing each other at events. Love the guy. I can't wait to get into this conversation. Before I do, though, I got to talk to you about my good friends over at Smart Choice. We'll start there. Smart Choice is the fastest growing agency network uh, for a reason. I mean, they hands down, uh, they just want to help you to be the best insurance professional you can be. They help you by negotiating um, higher premiums, uh, negotiating lower premium thresholds and volume commitments. They want to help you to succeed as quickly as possible. And they share in their bonuses and their contingencies. And they have no uh, fees, no fee structure where you have to pay a monthly fee or anything like that. They only operate on commission split. And that's only off of the contracts they bring to the table, not your existing contracts. So whether you need one market or 10, whether you need a partner uh, for your commercial lines or personal lines, uh, ENS, they got it going on. Smartchoiceagents.com. Check it out. Tell them the mayor sent you. Also, my good friends over at CoverDesk, your premier solution for virtual assistance. And uh, they've got it going on, Andy and his team. Andy's an agency owner. He's been in the trenches. He's in the trenches every day. Uh, I see him all the time, you know, on LinkedIn. You probably do too, uh, at mastermind events. And he's going to this and going to that. I've had the privilege of working with several of his VAs over the years, and they're fantastic. They become a part of your culture what you do every day, you're going to want to uh, check this out. Uh, if you have not yet, go to CoverDesk.com and uh, tell Andy that I sent you, tell Kelsey, whoever you talk to, whatever your sales rep is, tell them I sent you uh, and uh, see uh, where that gets you. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, let me let me jump out of the way here uh, and get started here with my main man, Ryan Hanley. Ryan Hanley, my main man. What's going on, brother? What's up, dude? I'm uh, happy to be chatting. Dude, it's been a long time. Um, I've been wanting to have you on. Uh, you kept telling me no, so here we are. Oh, that's not true. Don't anyone who's <laughs> listening to this don't believe that. That is hundred percent not the case. <laughs> no, but truly, one of the things I, I did appreciate those. You were kind of humble about it, and you were like, "Nah, you know, whatever." But I've been wanting to have you on, though, and I know you've done the circuit and done the things. But uh, more than anything, this is time for me to hang out with you and get to know you and talk to you a little bit more because we've been friends a long time, but never really had. A good opportunity. So I'm using this opportunity live on air with people to get to know you a little bit better. So uh, is this the first time we've no, you've been on my show before. Yeah. A while ago, weren't you? Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So yeah, man, it, dude, it's awesome. I, I love chatting. I like uh, I like unscripted conversations because I feel like you can go down different paths. Yep. Um, and anytime you and I have a chance to chat, I'm excited about it. So uh, you're you're the. You're the bus driver. Lead us, lead us to where we yeah. need to go. Uh, well, one of the things you know, I noticed, uh, you know, as we were getting on before we hit record, uh, you were getting into some uh, some ketones a little bit. But yeah, do you have a certain morning routine that you do every single day? I used to have an incredible morning routine yeah. um, when I was married, and uh, the the consistency of that life provided me with the ability to. Uh, or just provided me with uh, an easier opportunity to have to have a consistent morning routine that I really enjoyed. And, and I did. I 
I fasted for a minimum of 13 hours every day. I got up at 5 a.m. every day. Um, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of reading. So it was either uh, uh, putting stuff in my brain or taking stuff out of my brain. Um, and then, you know, I, I, and that was really what it was. It was about either education or creation for me every morning. Then I'd say about, you know, 18 months ago or whatever it was um, when uh, I was asked to leave my home uh, by my now ex-wife, um, my morning routine got absolutely obliterated. And frankly, uh, I just did not have the willpower, especially in the early days of, of that experience to um, keep any kind of routine. To be honest with you, I was, yeah. I was drinking too much. I was using pot to mellow, you know, they wanted to put me on, you know, I had so much anxiety because at the same time I was, you know, working on possibly selling rogue to SIA and I'm living in a hotel room and like my entire life got blown up, you know, in, in, in all routines inside of it, I was basically white knuckling it as hard as I could just to, you know, I, all I kept saying to myself is don't fall apart. Don't fall apart. I literally would just say that to myself during the day as I was don't fall apart, don't fall apart, you know? Um, Cause that was really at that time, it was all I could really do was not fall apart. I couldn't necessarily thrive. I couldn't be successful. I'm navigating a situation with my ex-wife. I'm living in a hotel room, trying to be, trying to remain with, you know, trying to see my kids as much as I could. And, 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 and I had decided to sell my business. And, you know, a lot of people may know this, maybe others don't, I don't know. I don't know how much I've talked about it, but I uh, signed my divorce papers, signed the lease on the apartment that I'm currently in, and uh, signed the contract to sell Rogue Risk all on the same day. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, wow. yeah. Wow. So uh, April 1st of 2022 will live in infamy for me as a uh, monumental shift in my life's path. Uh, sitting here today, uh, so about, you know, whatever we're, it's, uh, what are we in July of 2023? Yeah. So, you know, what is that? 15 months later, um, I have a, growing and highly successful agency. I'm the CEO of, I'm part of a wonderful organization at the executive leadership level in SIA. My kids are in my house behind me. I see them, you know, at 50, 50 custody. And I see them probably almost every day. Anyways. Um, I just bought a home for my kids. Um, you know, where life is really good and I'm back to my routine and, a and, and really, kind of getting through that portion where I didn't fall apart, the white, white knuckling part, um, just not falling apart was really the biggest win um, because by not falling apart, and obviously I had dark days. I did. I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, we all do. Right. But, um, but I didn't fall apart. I didn't, I didn't become that hobo single guy who in his <laughs> right. clothes strewn all over the place and, you know, whatever. I kept my shit together and, stayed in, you know, reasonably good shape and, you know, didn't, didn't whatever. And, and kind of just tried to keep going as best I could. And now I'm back to routine. So I'm working on getting back to 5am. I'm, I'm getting up at 545 every day, but I'm reading 30 minutes to, to 45 minutes a day. Um, really focusing on the quality of the material and putting my brain, I'm writing for 45 minutes to an hour every day. Uh, I have a workout routine that I'm on. I have a, uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to optimize my, my health and what I put in my body from a fuel perspective. Um, you know, and, and really all that work was, um, all that work is, is where finding peak comes from. So people have asked me, why did you start this kind of 
we'll call it right now, it's a bit of a, a hobby brand. I hope it to be more than that someday. But, uh, you know, Finding Peak, this brand, and ultimately the website and blog that I create on and all that kind of stuff was in going through what I went through, right? And and, and I have a lot of other life experiences that we all do. But what I realized is how many people have gone through very similar things or are currently going through similar struggles where they feel alone. They feel like they don't know what to do. What's the next best step? Um, they don't have, they don't have mantras, filters, heuristics, whatever you want to say. They don't, they don't have these things. Like I've developed all these little stupid one-liners that I've either stolen from people or, or are derivatives of bigger ideas or different ideas that I remind myself of in order to, uh, to keep going because, you know, life is really hard. And, um, and even when it's good, it's hard. And if you don't have routines, if you don't have mantras, if you don't have filters to pass your, your decisions, your, how you operate in, um, you do fall apart. And I think that, um, no, you're, you're dead on. And I, and I can relate to so many things now. And I, you know, I, I get the finding peak emails I, and I get the stuff. I listen to your podcast and whatnot. And I connect with you on a lot of things. And you and I've texted about some of this. And one of the big things you just hit with me on, and I think there's a lot of listeners out there that go through this as we try to relate to insurance a little bit. Um, because divorce is a real thing. You know, life struggles are a real thing. And people get so wrapped up in their agency and they get so wrapped up in business and day to day. And they live there in that agency that, you know, they neglect stuff at home. They neglect the, their health. They neglect these routines. They neglect the things that matter. And when I went through my divorce, um, I had just, uh, you know, I had divorce. I just had a child at five months old when we got divorced. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, That's here hard. I am single dad for several years before I got remarried. Uh, praise the Lord. I found Stacy. But, you know, I had, um, you know, a, a five month old and a five year old. And here I am, you know, trying to raise two kids on my own, a 50-50 custody, like you talked about. But the struggle is real. And um, I'm not saying that some of the things I went through prior to that was the cause of my divorce, but I, I wouldn't say it, it it helped any, you know, being so wrapped up in work, being so wrapped up in job and my identity being in my work and my identity being in my job. And I think there's a lot of people listening, whether agency owners, pro producers, you know, it could be a, an underwriter, whatever. I think it's it's a real struggle to get so tied into your identity being your work. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's how I think of this. Again, I think through filters, right? Because there's no there's no right or wrong answer. So I use a set of filters to make decisions, and because everyone's yeah. life is different, I can't tell you how to live your life. Your life is your life, you know. But what I'd like to do is what I want to do, and the purpose of finding peak is to share the set of filters that I've developed to be, despite being fired four times in a six year period and, you know, all the different things that I've had go on in my life. You know, my father went to jail for three years when I was a junior in high school. My parents got divorced when I was very early. I was dirt poor growing up in a town of 800. I know I'm from the North and everyone thinks the North isn't rural, but I had like 850 people in a right. town in which people said, you could leave your doors open in my town because the criminals didn't steal there. They lived there. That was what people used to say. Right. So like, <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I've had all these different experiences, some worse than others, some better, much better than others. And I'll give you what I think is one of the core concepts to turn your life around. And it's two simple words of service. Yeah. Be of service. The reason that your marriage sucks is because you 
are selfish. The reason that work takes over your life is because you are selfish. The reason that you don't have a great relationship with your kids is because you are selfish. The reason that you're not fit, the reason that you're not healthy, the reason that you don't have great friends, the reason you don't have the job you want, whatever the problem is that is fucking with your mind, the reason is that you, you, no one else, is selfish. You are highly selfish. And when you change that mentality, and when you, first you have to own the fact that that's the case. And what do I mean by that? Well, uh, let's just take one that, that a lot of people don't connect with, the health one. How, how could I, if I'm unhealthy, how can I be selfish? Well, you look at that donut and you can eat it because you're selfish. Because you want that short-term sugar spike and the taste and how good it is. And donuts are amazing. I love donuts. Donuts right. are actually the thing that I struggle the most with. I could get cookies, cakes, candy. I don't want any of that stuff. You give me a badass donut and it takes every ounce of willpower I have not to eat it. I love <laughs> right. donuts, right? But but I don't eat donuts anymore. And it, very rarely, very, very rarely. I mean, very all, right. you know, you have moments, you've been good, whatever, and then you got to pay for it with exercise. But like, um, you know, I don't eat donuts anymore because- because that's selfish. That short-term hit of taste of sugar of whatever is selfish to my long-term self, to the person that I want to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, it's selfish. Why am I making this decision today? That's going to, it's going to give me a sugar spike and then crash me in the afternoon. And, and we don't think about these things, right? So when you start to think of being of service, and I say this to my team all the time. This is how I lead. Every, every single leadership meeting, every single all-hands meeting, I say the same thing. Guys, my job here at Rogue Risk is to be of service to you. As a father, my job is to be of service to my children. Now, you know, I didn't necessarily understand this concept with my wife or my ex-wife, but I now practice this. I have a, a, a wonderful woman that I'm seeing that we have a, a really nice, budding, positive relationship. And I work to be of service of her. It doesn't mean that I'm waiting on her hand and foot. It means that I think about her. I think about my kids. I think about the people that I'm working for and I do what I can to support them and their success. And you know what happens to me? I'm happy. I have meaning. It gives me a responsibility. And ultimately, out of that comes a high level of success. It comes a high level of, of rewards back to me. Right. And if you can change, right? We all are this thing. We all have these egos. You could say, I don't have a big ego. Yes, you do. We all have big egos. Yep. We all want all the things. Of course we do. It's natural. Right. It's human nature. The problem is some people are able to control it, right? And I, I have found that that for me, this, this idea, this filter of is this action of service to this person or to myself, it allows me to uh, uh, make a better decision uh, in that moment. And that simple idea has changed everything for me in the last 18 months. So a couple of things I would say to that. One, I agree with you. Uh, one of the things that I decided to do uh, when I got remarried uh, to my now best friend in the whole world, Stacy, which I think you met her actually at one city, but did. Yep. Uh, greatest woman on the planet. But one of the things I decided I was going to do when we first got married uh, I, I told her, you know, I told myself, I'm going to serve this woman, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a better husband, whatever. And so I asked her when we were going through marital counseling, I believe. And I said something like, you know, what's one thing that I could take off your plate that would help you in our marriage. And da, da, da. And she was like cooking. I never cooked a day in my life. Hanley. I never have. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And she was like, um, you know, that also includes, you know, the grocery store shopping and the meal prep and all of that. And I was like, all right, I got it. You know, now it's been a seven or eight year journey and I enjoy cooking. I enjoy those things. Yeah. 
but you know, and for her, it's, it's helped a lot, you know, and then it's also became like, take the kids to school, you know, do some of the things like that. And so that's serving, but then even, you know, and I do these things and I, and I get in my own head sometimes and we all do this, I know, but, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a great husband. I take the kids to school and I, uh, I, I cook dinner. I do the grocery shop and I do all of these things. It makes me a great guy. And I, I counter, you know, or I answer what you talked about with selfishness and whatnot, because I agree with all of that, but also with intentionality. And some of the things that my wife and I talk about, and I've gotten in this conversation as an agency owner and working even at Vertifor now and some other things that I've done in the past, uh, intentionality of like, there's times that I'll do things and, you know, and the kids or Stacy or people I work with, they'll say something or call me out on something like, oh, I didn't intend to do that. And my wife has changed my life in this, you know, one sentence she says to me all the time, you did not intend to either. And it's like, holy crap. I never think about that. And when she says that to me, like, crap, you got me on that one. Cause I didn't, you know, it's little things, but she'll be yeah. like, but you didn't, what did you do not to cause that to happen? You know, I'm feeling this way. I'm like, well, I never intended for you to feel that way. Or, you know, coworkers in the past, I didn't mean for you to feel that way. Well, what did you do to prevent me from feeling that way? You yeah. know, what did you do to prevent yourself from eating that damn donut? What did you do to prevent yourself from mm-hmm. acting in a certain way? And that's something that uh, I feel like is a struggle for a lot of people, but for sure me. Yeah. So one of the concepts that I talk a lot about on Finding Peak, and I talk a lot about with my team, because, you know, a lot of the concepts that I discuss in Finding Peak are... um are derivatives of the work and stuff that I practice in my life. It's it's all my life. That's what it is. So I yeah. lead a team of 23 people. I interact with a parent company and all the challenges and, and good things that come from that. I have two kids. I have an ex-wife. I have someone I see. I have all these different things. And I take them and I, and I put them and I put them, try to put these things into practice because I, I there's a meme that goes around and I'm, I'll get to my point in a second, but there's a meme that goes around the internet and it's basically what is hell. And it's when the version of you that you, as when you die, who you are meets who you could be. And that's hell. Cause you realize how amazing you could be. If you just were intentional, if you practiced your life, practiced your life. Like, I don't think anybody practices their life. I think they live their life and they allow, and then they bounce off of shit. And then they wonder why they don't have what they want. Right. When you, when you, when you read about, when you talk to the people who are successful, people who are successful and, and maybe have something that you want or, or whatever, they go and they get it. Yeah. So many of us are like, well, you know, how come I didn't get promoted? Did you do the extra 15 minutes worth of work? Did you make one more call? Ed Milet has this great book. The title gives it away, but it's a wonderful book called The Power of One More. Um, did you Did you show up an hour early to work? If that's what you really want. Now, people go, what about balance, Ryan? I'm not, balance doesn't exist. People who sell you balance are assholes. They, they, it is not a real thing, right? You have to choose the things that matter to you and dive into them head first, or you will not get to that place. And, and those are decisions you have to make, right? Now, if you want to have a great marriage, you need to commit. You need to go to marriage counseling. You need right. to talk to your spouse. You need to spend time with that person. You need to ask them how they're feeling. You you need to apologize, right? You If you want a good marriage, if you don't want a good marriage, then just roll through it. Be selfish. You don't do the work. Same thing. You want to be, you want to be a high-powered entrepreneurial person who's well-respected, who dominates your industry. Well, then you're going to have to give something up. It might be golf. 
It might be something else. Right. You may have to have a hard conversation with your spouse and say, look, I'm going to be the baddest person in this space. And to get there, I need a, two extra hours, one on the front end and one on the back end. How do we make that happen as a, as a family? Ladies and gentlemen, it is summertime. It is hot outside. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It is in Arkansas or in the South. It's it's running over 100, 115 sometimes heat index. Manscaped wants to help you feel cool while looking hot and feeling hot for that matter. Uh, guys, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And now they also help you with your, your facial grooming, your ear, your nose, your eyebrows, your chest hairs, all of those things. Guys, Manscaped has uh, got it going on uh, and they want to help you and they give you a discount for listening to my show. Uh, put in mayor uh, at manscaped.com down at the, uh, the checkout, get 20% off plus free shipping. Whether you're looking to get you uh, a new uh, Beard Hedger Pro, the lawnmower, uh, guys, they've got all kinds of great products and they've got a, a package out there to help you with all of those products in one package and they put you in a travel bag. Go to manscaped.com. Use the keyword mayor at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Also, guys, check out Canopy Connect. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath. Get a demo. Get your discount. They are your one-click solution to getting those deck pages and loss runs now that you need to quote your prospect and get it done in a timely fashion. Help out your customers with their customer journey, working with your agency. You're going to be so proud that you did. And uh, they're a game changer. And they got so much new stuff coming out. I don't know if you checked out the episode with Mitch Gibson a few weeks ago. He kind of alluded to some stuff they've got going on. Usecanopy.com backslash Heath. Check it out. Now let's get back to the show. What we talk about at Finding Peak in this particular vein is preparation, is being prepared. Are you prepared for that tough conversation with your spouse? Are you prepared for these things? Because that no one, because this is not the this is not what people do. People don't live in preparation, they live reactive lives. Something shitty happens. Now I need to go do the work. Something, you know. Uh, something happens in my business. Oh my God. I Now I have to go figure out how to make money on the side. Instead of going, I'm going to make this little side job just in case. I'm going to make sure that I've done work with my wife or my husband so that when they have a bad day or there is an indiscretion or something happens, I'm mentally prepared for that or whatever the thing is. We, we need, I think, to hit peak performance, to, to be the closest version to who we could have been when we die, preparation, in my opinion, is 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 one of the key things. And people do not talk about it. They do not think this way. They think, well, when you know, if if the market turns, I'll start to re look at my investments. Right? Everyone sticks their hand and head in the sand on investments. Ah, if the market gets bad, my you know my financial advisor do it. No, you gotta be. If you care about the safety and security of your nest egg that may or may not be, you know, that may be in a 401k or an investment account or whatever you're doing, don't be a freaking asshole. Look at the markets. Find a couple people to follow who maybe are thinking about it and understand what's going on. You don't have to be a certified investment counselor, but don't be ignorant either. Or getting your handicap from 12 to 9 was a priority which is fine that's amazing if that's what's important to you so to me this idea of preparation and practice in our life not just in you know something like a sport or in cold calling becomes it becomes a a, a way of living and it's to me it is what i'm trying to do every day 
I am trying to practice my life and prepare every single day. And I think there's, you know, a lot to be said for all of those things. It also, I think you got to add some seasonality into that as well to think, yeah, if you're, you know, getting your handicap from 12 to a nine in golf or, you know, being able to hit five out of five free throws or whatever it might be, or being this or that in your agency or in your business, I think there's some seasonality that some of those things may have to wait for another time, or some of those things may have to be now. And some of those things you may have to prep for some of those things later. And I think a lot of agency owners that are listening, they want to be in a certain place, but they don't understand that's a season. Like you have to focus on these things now, Yeah, you know, and then look at those things later. And people think, you know, um, I've got to get my golf game up now to use that example. That may not be something you could do right now. That may be something you have to wait for later on. And I think it's just that, you know, holding back some of those things. And I, I, again, I was talking to my man, Eric, uh, yesterday, actually, our friend, Eric Garcia, and he was uh, talking from a financial standpoint and he and I got into it. And you could probably relate to this as well, coming from a baseball standpoint. My son has gotten really into AAU basketball. Like he's really good, really, really good. Um, and he's in tournaments every week and he's, you know, we're gone, you know, sometimes two and three hours away from home. Sometimes we have to go five or six hours, spend the night for a couple of days. That costs money, yep. big money, you know, and, you know, Eric was talking about his daughters and dance and like to go for a weekend in New York to watch his daughter dance five grand. That's big money to some people. I didn't prepare for that. I wasn't ready for that. And my wife and I are like, why are we struggling financially right now? It's like, because we're spending five, six, eight thousand dollars a weekend on Reese's basketball games, you know, entry fees and dinners and lunches and going through the fast food and gas and hotels and it's like, oh my God. But again, it's financially, but again, it's having to prepare. If I'd have thought about that going into the summer when tournament season started, I could have been saving yep. all along to be able to do those things. But I want to support my son. You want to be able to do that. And I've noticed you talk about saying yes to one thing is no to another. I've missed out on cookouts and church events and, you know, birthday parties or whatever it is in the summer because I've committed to helping my son and being there for his games and doing that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, but it's a season right now in my life. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's a really, um, I think there's a really important lesson in there is that one you've committed to your son, which I think is fantastic. Um, it's the exact same commitment that I've made to my children with their, with baseball right now Yeah, that they love baseball and they play both play on travel teams. And I don't get to see my friends as much. I don't get to go on guy golf trips to this place or that place because I coach, I don't take speaking events during baseball season. Right. Because I would rather watch my kid or coach my kid, depending on which one is playing versus speak and make money or be at an event any day of the week. And I love those things. Being on stage is my favorite thing to do professionally in life. It's being on stage and speaking to an audience is my absolute favorite thing. I spend more brain cycles, thinking about ways to engage and tell stories and entertain an audience than anything else that I do professionally. I won't take a speaking gig during baseball season. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. I don't care if you came in and said $100,000. I'd say no. I'd say no. I think that, and and here, because here's the thing. This is, that is a commitment I've made. Now, as soon as baseball season's over, love that $100,000 gig. That'd be great. And I haven't, I haven't. I haven't yet gotten that offer. Someday I right. someday I hope to do that. Yeah. But um, it's on my life goals to cash a six-figure speaking check. But um, that being said, um, you cannot 
in order, I shouldn't say you can't. I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life. My recommendation is if you commit to your son, which you've done, you cannot question or give yourself a hard time for not making the cookouts. And if anyone does, you have to completely disregard that. So if you miss three weekends of cookouts, with your family or your friends that you used to go to every year, what's going to happen is going to be like, ah, oh, come on, man. You take that too seriously. Ah, hey, he, yeah. come on. he, Dude, he's, how old's your son? How old's your son? 15. 15 years old. Come on, man. He, he's got, he's got five more years. He's going to go to college and play basketball. He's got, what? you don't have to go to, have, send him with a friend, have his mom take him, come to the cookout. Come on. We miss you. We miss you. Come, come on, dude. You have to completely dismiss that, right? And let I'm not me, saying that's what's happening to you, but that's what happens to a lot. All right, of well, let me take it a step further. Let me take yeah. it a step further. I've got two daughters as well, yeah. um, you know, that are 10 and 13. And so, again, when I make that decision, you know, to support him, I've got to be super intentional when I'm home to spend time with them so they don't feel like they're not as important as Reese because he's into the basketball thing. So I've got to make sure yep. that I sit down and, you know, my youngest is into cooking with me and baking and whatnot. So I'm like inviting her in the kitchen, even though there's times when I want to be in the kitchen with my headphones on and not (laughs) and have a 10 year old under my ass. But sometimes I'd be like, okay, this is important. I need to cook with her, show her how to boil noodles show her how to make a sauce, show her how to whatever, you know? And I'm like, these little things, she's going to remember this for the rest of her life. She spent this time in the kitchen with dad, baking a cake, you know, baking a donut for that matter. Um, which I haven't quite figured out yet, but, um, Mm. So then, you know, and then my, my oldest uh, daughter, 13, you know, she's into, you know, singing and she's into, you know, art and she's into, you know, sewing and putting together outfits because she wants to be a designer one day. Super cool stuff and making purses and crap. You know, I have to really make sure I sit, I don't want to sit behind a sewing machine and watch her sew, but it's something I need to do. Yep. Be intentional with. And she loves golf and getting out there. That's fun to gather and drink a beer and watch her swing a club. But at the same time, I have to be intentional, even though I'm worn out from spending eight hours at the office, going to basketball games, but that intentionality has to be there. And it's something that it's super important to me that I do that. And then at the end, after all that, then I got a wife that she wants my time. And so I feel like, and I know a lot of people out there listening, they feel that way. How do you have enough time to do it all? But it comes down to intentionality and getting rid of that guilt complex. I've got the guilt complex bad. Yeah. So, um, I tend to be very harsh with myself mm-hmm. um, in general. So I, I completely agree with everything you just said. And I think that the solution is not something people are going to want to hear. I was, uh, so I watch, um, I just recently did a, a video on Instagram. And um, for anyone that's interested, I do, you know, every day I post something motivational or try to be insightful or just something right. to remind people on social media. And Instagram is probably the best place to follow me, which is, Ryan underscore Hanley, H-A-N-L-E-Y on Instagram. And um, if you're interested in this shit, if you're not, don't do it. That being said, I posted something that um, has gotten quite a bit of traction the last couple of days, which is this idea that your social media feed is a leading indicator on your mindset uh, or sorry, a trailing indicator on your mindset. So, you know, I read all these articles about how, um, you know, social media is negative and perpetuates hate and all this nonsense. Um, and you know why it does that? Because you click on the articles, you watch the videos. Do you know what my, my Instagram feed does not have hateful, angry, bullshit content where people are telling me to hate my neighbor or hate this race or hate this person because they, I, 
I don't get any of that crap because right. I don't give it my attention. I watch videos about Michael Jordan's mindset or Tim Grover talking about right. how he trained Kobe Bryant or uh, this woman, Cody Sanchez, that I love that really has this unique perspective on, on business and small business and Alex Hermosi, who I just kind of got turned on to, but really like, and uh, Ed Milet and Andy Frisella and Jordan Peterson and all these people that are constantly dripping positivity and, 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 yeah. and ideas. And because all it does is reinforce this positive shit in my brain. So for me, five minutes of scrolling on social media is an incredibly positive experience. It's not a negative experience. I'm seeing, 100%. right? The other thing I get is videos about how to coach, coach nine-year-olds baseball, because that's right. the other thing I'm interested in. I get my attention to. Okay. So, so uh, okay. Let me add, hold that. Oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, I, it's one of those things I teach my kids and I'm teaching my audience right now. And you're talking about right now, trash in, trash out. And it's a, a mentality of you talk about social media, but I talk to my kids about it all the time when they listen to certain music and they're listening to certain things. And, you know, I'm like, I don't care. You know, if you want, if, my kids are old enough, they're teenagers now. I'm like, if you want to listen to stuff with cuss words and you want to do that, that's fine. But just remember whatever you put in your head, that's what's going to come out. And if you start having these terrible thoughts or intrusive thoughts, or you start having these negative self, you know, doubts and feelings and whatnot, it may be because of the TV you're watching. It may be because of the music you're listening to, the friends you're hanging out with. And when I was 13, I would look at my dad. If he said that to me, like, you're an idiot, you know, but you know, I'm trying to instill that in them and yeah. trying to teach them a certain way because there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. The second part I'll say to that, I don't want to get into politics with you because you and I could probably get into it for a while, but I started, I, I found RFK Jr. And I've been, you know, I've watched several videos of his. Now my entire feed on TikTok is just RFK Jr. And I'm fascinated by some of the stuff he's saying. Again, we don't have to get into politics. I love RFK but, Jr. Whether he but, becomes president or not, I'm a fan. For, me too. I just hope yeah. he gets far enough that his message gets out whether he wins or not. Yeah. But, the establishment's is, not going to let him get far because the, the problem is he would help America too much. My algorithms now, because I started looking at that, and now I'm starting to see all this stuff. But I, you know, talked to my daughter. She was like, I don't want to get on TikTok because it's, you know, stupid. It's just dancing. I'm like, no, it's dancing if you watch all the dance videos. Yeah. But, you know, and we, you know, we're strong, you know, Protestant Christians in our house. So I'm like, if you want to, to be Christian feed, then search for Christian content hashtag Christian TikTok or hashtag whatever you can find it. If you want to, my, my son watches sports videos all day long of basketball people. Okay. Then your feed's going to be basketball. It's only trash. If you allow it to be trash. Cause all the out, al the algorithm doesn't want to feed you hate. The algorithm wants you to keep watching videos. So yeah. whatever you're going to keep watching is what it's going to keep showing you. Take some responsibility for your social media feed and uh, getting, getting back to, uh, to to um to what I, where I started that and obviously I can meander is Dude, this, this I got ADHD idea. so bad it's stupid so yeah yes yeah. so um so I was watching this video and it was from um it was from uh, 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 Ed Milet shared it and I'm gonna forget exactly who was talking but they were talking specifically about uh, Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, so it was Ed Milet shared it. I love Ed Milet. So if you're looking for a really great guy to follow, if you're into this kind of stuff, he's, he is Christian, which, which, you know, another thing about getting divorced really did for me was I was able to, or, or just, I shouldn't say able to like it. I couldn't before, but um, I started engaging more in God and my spirituality and the Bible yeah. and all this kind of stuff, which has been great. But Ed Milet's a, a great guy. And um, he shared this video I can't remember who's talking, so I apologize. But 
but the specifically the, the person in the background and who this person is referencing is Kobe Bryant. And he's, and the message was super simple. The best don't get tired. That's good. You don't want to, you, you just, you just worked a full day, cooked with your daughter, played basketball with your son, watched your other daughter. So, and your wife needs a little bit of attention and you're, but you're tired. Do it. Right. Yeah, you have to. Right. Like it's that intentionality. Yeah. You, you got up early, you worked out, you work all day. You have three problems with HR shit at the office. You, you coach a baseball game and your other son wants you to sit down and watch TV. And all you want to do is like vegetate for a second. You know what I mean? Like you're, you, you don't get to be tired if you want to be the best. But again, that also goes back to the preparation you were talking about. If you want to have that energy, you can't feed your body full of crap all day. Yeah. And you can't do other things that are going to cause you to be that, you know, that way. Anyway, it's I, funny. I agree people come in my house, dude, to that point, people come into my, uh, my apartment now, but will be my house soon, which I'm very excited about. Dude, um, they look at, I have this section on my counter, which is like the supplements and stuff that I take. Yeah. yeah. And I don't take, I don't take a ton of stuff, but I probably take more than most. Um, and I have a very, I test a lot of different stuff and I have a very specific routine, but people are like oh, that stuff, blah, blah, blah. you know, that stuff. Why do you take all that stuff? You waste money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, waste money. Like you want to come, come at me. Right. Like I work on testosterone levels. I work on body fat levels. I work on energy levels. I work on, I literally have in my journal, we'll, men, we'll mark down whether I had a brain fog day, a brain fog day or a non brain fog day, because you know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows, right? You're listening to this. You know, you have a days in your life where you wake up and you just can't see in front. You can't see. You're not, you don't have vision. Your brain's not functioning. You know why? You didn't sleep, you didn't hydrate, you drank last night, you ate shitty food, too much sugar. You know, there's a million reasons. But but if you're preparing your life, if you're being intentional with the things you're doing, you don't have brain fog days. And I'll tell you, I think the answer, and, and actually um, uh, Kenny Smith, uh, NBA player, he's on NBA, I think it's Kenny Smith. Oh, yeah. um, he's got he's this awesome video on TikTok. And again, I watch inspirational shit where he said, Extraordinary people don't do extraordinary things. Extraordinary people do ordinary things every single day. This, he said, this is the difference between extraordinary and ordinary. Ordinary people do things once in a while. Extraordinary people do the ordinary things that you need to do every single day. And that's what makes them extraordinary. You know what I mean? Like you want to dribble a basketball, right? You want to be the best. You want to be able to do all the moves. I'm, I'm not, not a basketball. Not a, I was always just like a beater, 12 man on the basketball team. So I'm yeah. not, you know, you want to do that. Well, let's take the sport that I know baseball. Okay. You want to have, you want to have a, a nine, nine, nine fielding percentage. It's you can't show up once a week and feel ground balls. You can, cause that's what ordinary people do. They show up right. once a week and they feel ground balls. You know what extraordinary people do? They feel ground balls every day and they don't just feel ground balls. They get down on their knees and they feel ground balls and they work on scoops and they work on hops and they work on backhands and they work on forehands and they work on picks and they work on spinning the ball in their gloves. So when they get rid of it, they have laces every time and they might just be sitting there at home, just pop, spin, pop, spin, pop, spin. Cause when you get to the point where you're good enough, you literally don't realize that in the moment you reach into a baseball glove and pull it out to the point of throwing, you have spun with your fingers to a four seam grip and can throw an accurate and straight ball where ordinary players reach in, grab white on the ball, go back, the ball slips out of their hand and they turn to the coach right. and go, sorry, it slipped. Right. And they wonder how 
the guy or, or woman, if you're playing softball, right? How, how, or I guess there's some women playing baseball right now who are actually really good. There's some women in AAA, which is awesome to see. I think baseball is one of the few sports where you could eventually see a female in the male game because, um, uh, the, the strength aspect of the game is, is not so much that I don't think female can play. I think it would be an extraordinary female, but I do think it's possible. That being said, um, uh, you know, they don't look at the they they every time the reason they're able to throw a strike every single time is because every day they've done the simple nuanced detail work of just working on this simple thing of grabbing a forcing ball right but the ordinary people don't do that that's an ordinary task done every day that makes someone extraordinary and when I heard that one it gave me hope right the first thing it did was give me hope because what it said is I don't have to be exceptional I just have to be disciplined. And consistent. That's all I need. All I have to right. be is disciplined. If I'm disciplined, if I'm disciplined, I can be extraordinary. One, that's that gives me hope. Two, it means that I don't have to have unique and special knowledge to be there, right? I don't have to have some super secret trick that no one else has because I can go on the internet and figure out what it is. So if I figure out the basic ordinary skills and I'm disciplined enough to practice them every day, I become an extraordinary at whatever I do and whatever I choose to do. And that to me is, um, I think we should all take hope from that because it means that we can be, when we die, extremely close to the best version of ourselves if we're willing to put in the work. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And the same thing, you know, I talk again, talking about Reese and basketball a little bit. My The audience has heard about him a lot, but, you know, he was telling me, you know, everybody's better than me. They're bigger than me. They're faster than me. They're stronger than me. There's no way I'll be able to be any good at this. You know, this was back in sixth, seventh grade when he first, you know, really got into it. And he's been playing since he was in kindergarten. But I was like, son, it doesn't matter. What I need you to do is die for the loose balls. I need you to rebound. I need you to be the best, you know, that you could be at the things that you're good at. But then hustle harder. Get out there. Go to the gym early. You know, if they open up a gym at 530 and practice at six, be there at 530, you know, be there at 515, stay late, get extra reps in, do all those extra things. And he is not, since he started playing in kindergarten, he's never not started a game. Um, and he's, you know, a good ball player now, again, not exceptionally talented in the sense of he could do all the things that, you know, some of the best players can do, but the things he can do, he can do it, you know, and he can do it well. And he's, he's out in the driveway at dark with a little light on from the side, you know, shooting free throws every single night. Um, when it's 115 degrees outside, he's up early in the morning and late at night because he knows it's too hot during the day. So he's doing, he's going to the gym. You know, he rides his bike four miles to the gym to get in there because he knows that's important. And he's like, I want to play college ball. That's my goal, you know, and I want to be a coach, one of these things. So anyway, I just talked to him as a kid when he was in kindergarten even about put in the extra work go hard. And I talk to producers all the time about people say, oh, I can't cold call. There's no way I could do that. I'm not good at talking to people, but if you get out there, put the reps in, you know, my dad taught me still the business to this day, 80 years old. I've said this several times on my show. You just get out there and put the reps in. He told me when I was 20, call on 20. And this was knocking doors, not phone calls, but knock on 20 doors a day. You can figure yeah. out your closing rate and kind of go from there. But it was just putting in the work. I'm not the greatest closer. I'm not the greatest opener. But I put in the reps. I got after it. And I got better at it over time. Yeah, this is this is why I hate talking about, like, insurance tactics these days. And I don't really as much anymore. It's easy. Our business is so easy. It, it's this very business, easy. This is business is easy. And if you 
I, you know, the people who say, I, uh, they, I can't do this. Or I don't know how to do this. Then you don't want it. You don't right. want it then. Don't tell me you want it, but you're not willing to do the work. Don't tell me I want to be a successful agency owner, but I'm unwilling to cold call. I hate cold calling. I had to. I got right. into digital marketing because I hated cold calling so much, but I still had to cold call. I still did it. And today I can cold call anybody, right? So I've been at it for 18 years. I wish I had, you know, there's parts of me that's like, hey, maybe if I dedicated more time to it, but I didn't want it back then. I didn't want it like I do now, right? Now, for me, I look at our business and I say the hard parts of our business are the soft skills or, or the human skills. Uh, that's a Joey Coleman thing. So if you're wondering why I said human skills, uh, look up Joey right. Coleman. But um, the human skills, right? The, the leadership aspects, the emotional aspects. What are you going to do? How are you going to take it when you, when you make 50 cold calls and get 50 no's, right? Because here's what everyone says. Ah, you just show up the next day. What they don't tell you is, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to go drink. You're going to want to go gamble. You're going to want to go do something that makes you feel good because hearing no 50 times in a day makes you feel terrible. So, so what we don't talk about as an industry is the, is the counter emotional side to having a producer go, you know what? I want more money. Yeah. Cause you know what that says? It's that you, you feel pain. You feel, you feel like you're being, that person's being disloyal. You feel like they're being greedy. You feel like I don't look everything I did for you. You want more money. And what we don't, and, and there's a lot of an emotional shit going on. And then, and then they leave and they go have a successful career someplace else because we couldn't, we, we weren't emotionally prepared for all the things that we're going to rush in when they asked and all we, maybe they wanted five grand. Maybe they just wanted to know that their place yeah. in the world was a little more secure because their wife's got a baby or they're, or, or they're having a baby, right? Like it, it, these are the these are the aspects that mess up our business, not cold calling. If you can't figure out how to cold call, you're either dumb or you're not willing to work hard. And either way, you shouldn't be in this business. Just Point put the blank. In. Put the Point blank. In. That's it. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I love talking about because again, I can sound like a complete genius on a stage talking about cold calling, but like you said, it's simple. It's easy. It's putting reps in. There's no magic formula. There's no magic bullet. So one of the things hit me so, with the lightning round. Light, we're going, we're moving well, to the lightning round, people. I love that's it. right. The light. Okay, you've talked about a lot of things that you're reading, a lot of influence, a lot of you've referenced a lot of people. Give me your your top five books that you're reading or influencers or things that have influenced your life right now. People listening right now want to get into it. Top five. Yeah. Uh, so first book that you should read if you haven't read it already is 10x is easier than 2x by Benjamin Hardy. It is okay. the best business book I've ever read in my entire life, specifically focused on business. And if you adopt the principles in that book, your life, not just your business, but your life will change. It's absolutely Number phenomenal. Number two is 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. It will give yeah. you the emotional bedrock with a underpinning of uh, Christianity that you do not need to be religious for, but pulls on some of the uh, Christian moral values that are aspirational and applies them to your life in a hard-hitting and direct way that will make you question the way you live. One of the most specific things and most important things that I took away from it is make your fed. If you get out of bed and you don't make your bed and your bed is messy when you leave for the day, you're, you will not have a successful day. And it's simple things taught in very deep and meaningful lessons. Number, Number three, three is a book by Nassim Taleb, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb called Anti-Fragile. Okay. Uh, Anti-Fragile is a wonderful book. Um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb can be a complete D-bag, especially if you follow him on Twitter. But Anti-Fragile is a tremendous book. 
that talks about what it means to plow through things um, like the idea of the best never get tired. Not because they're not actually tired. They just don't allow themselves to be tired. And they don't make excuses for it. And there's a whole bunch more to it. It's deep. It took me a while to read. I promise you that will change you. The fourth book, which I'm actually in the middle of right now, is by uh, Daniel Kamen. It's Thinking Fast and Slow. It's dealing with cognitive biases uh, yeah. and different things like that. Um, how we mistakenly use heuristics to make decisions that point us in the wrong direction. Um, again, I'm only halfway through it, but I can tell you I've taken a tremendous amount of notes already. And okay. if you want, and I'm going to give you this one as the as the fifth, only because I recently read it and I think it's powerful. It may not actually be my fifth. Those first four are absolutely, thinking fast and slow is already in the top five for me, even though I'm only halfway through it. But um, the fifth one I'm going to give you is uh, Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. Uh, get the field manual. Um, the reason is it is short and it is punchy, uh, but it smacks you right in the friggin' face. And it is just bam, bam, bam. And, and, it, and it's core ideas. And it is, it's, it's really a field manual to living a disciplined life. Um, in very, it's easily digestible. I mean, I read the entire book in about two and a half hours, but, um, but tremendous tons of notes, tons of ideas, tons of thoughts. Um, and it's a reference guide that you can come back to and look through. Um, and it's, it's very well done. Awesome. Love that. Uh, okay. Lightning round again, we're going to do a draft. Yep. Three rounds. Okay. The things that the superpowers of having ADHD or neurodivergence, something to that effect. So I know you and I share that ADHD yep. and you found recently the superpower of it. Yep. Um, I'll give you first round pick and then I'll go from there. We'll, we'll go back and forth. Yeah. I can think faster than everyone else. There you go. I, I have more energy. Number My first round pick, you know, again, I have more energy than most people. Yeah. I can hold multiple streams of thought and connect them in real time in my brain in one moment. That's why I don't talk with slides. Yeah, I uh, I would also say for me, uh, having ADHD, I, I can I just think differently. I, I, I have thoughts and ideas that I could pick up from certain things that some people may not be able to do. Like I can have I have four screens right now. I could have all of them going at one time and pick up something from all of them at one time. Yeah, I um I'm going to I'm going to just build off of that one for my own pick and say that uh, I feel like I feel like. I have the ability to see around blind spots, but that also creates its own set of blind spots as well. So what I've realized is that, um, and this is this is kind of backdooring into, into this idea, it's forced me to be more humble because I used to believe that because I saw things that other people didn't see, that that meant I was right. And what I've had to realize is that even though I may see things other people don't see, there may be a reason or or it still doesn't guarantee that just because I saw and everyone else didn't or that they can't connect the dots the way I can, that I'm actually right. So while I do practice the idea of just like you said, of being able to connect dots and put things together and see multiple steps into the future, um, I have developed, it's forced me to develop a level of humility to say that may be true, but it doesn't mean that that's actually the right path. And that's actually been a kind of a derivative um, thing for me that has really helped me in other aspects of my life as well. Yeah, I would say for me, when I do harness that and focus that, whether it's through meditation, through riddling, through whatever it might be, that two, three, four hours of complete focus, maybe two hours, I guess to say, is probably the best I've ever had in my life when I do get that focus. And I'm trying to get 
into more the meditation and some of those things so that I can focus and harness that energy. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But that's one of the things when I do get that, it's stronger than I've ever had in my life. And I feel like people that don't have that don't understand that. Yeah. Because you're so all over the place when you do focus. And I I got somebody else waiting in my waiting room, but I think that's huge. So thanks for doing that draft with me. Tell real quick. Somehow people want to get into finding peak or find you or yeah, find yeah. Rogue Risk, so SIA, whatever. If you're interested in what we're doing uh insurance-wise, you can go to Rogue Risk or follow Rogue Risk on any of the socials. If you're interested in uh, you know, 10x uh, uh 10x ideas to make your life one percent better every day, which is kind of the tagline for finding peak, just go to findingpeak.com and I and I'd push you to if you're interested in these concepts, go follow me on Instagram, Ryan underscore Hanley on Instagram. Uh, you can always DM me. It's wide open. I've share ideas every day, dude. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I love chatting with you. We always go in a ton of different directions and, uh, just appreciate the hell out of you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I love you, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Be good, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today in the program. I hope you had a good time. Uh, I, I know I did. Ryan is such a good time. And such a wealth of knowledge. And he uses words that I could never use as big words. And he just makes it sound cool. And <laughs> I love it. Guys, uh, keep coming at me with some uh, ideas for the show. I-, I love getting to the mailbag. Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Are you looking to establish a genuine connection with your audience? Do you want your marketing efforts to stand out from the crowd? Then handwritten direct mail is the way to go. Handwritten by actual people. It is significantly more likely to be opened and acted upon. Look no further than the pros at old school marketing. And that can go ahead and and vouch for some of this and talk to you from a personal standpoint, because I talked to him about this on the show and you may go back to that episode, but he talked about, he's got people that hand write um, these envelopes and hand write these cards. And, you know, it almost like giving, getting a birthday card from grandma. You're going to want to open that and your clients are going to see that and they're going to want to open it. And it's some good stuff there. Uh, Go check out oldschoolmarketing.com and um, that's O-L-D-E schoolmarketing.com and uh, tell Rusty that sent you. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.